Blackhawks fans, welcome in to the Four Feathers podcast. We are back. I am Johnny Nani, joined by my guy, Ron Luce, tonight. Finally back in the saddle, Ron. That's the title of this episode. We're gearing up for Blackhawks hockey. Training camp is underway. How excited are you for this season, man? Johnny, I am so ready for Blackhawks hockey. Like, that it is... This is this is the highlight of my day is sitting here recording four feathers with you because we're talking Hawks hockey. They've made some moves this offseason. They look like they're gonna be a fun squad. It's gonna be a good 2021-22 season here for for our Blackhawks, Johnny. And I'm I'm very excited. And it's always a pleasure joining you on the mic to talk about them. Absolutely, Ron. Great to be back on here with you. Uh Blackhawks, very exciting with all the moves that they made this offseason. Obviously, a little bit questionable to start. Um, we, we didn't know exactly what the direction was, but then it did kind, kind of come uh, to fruition uh, when we saw the totality of the moves here. So a lot to talk about today, but we want to fill our listeners in. Uh, I've been missing our voices all summer. Uh, that is because Four Feathers Podcast is the Blackhawks covered unit of ontapsportsnet.com. Ron and I are also contributors for White Sox and Cubs sections over there. Ron being on the Cubs, I'm on the White Sox podcast, Sox on Tap, Cubs on Tap. Go and listen to those uh, if you need baseball uh, content from on Tap Sportsnet. But that has taken up an immense amount of our time this summer. So uh, we wanted to apologize, listeners, for, uh, you know, kind of being off the grid. But we are hashtag back and ready for hockey season. So, Ron. Let's get right into it. Training camp is underway for the Blackhawks. Massive 63-man roster. I'm just going to call it the Blackhawks Army they got going on here. 38 forwards, 18 defensemen, 7 goalies. About four days into training camp right now. Give us your early observations. Yeah, Johnny. I mean, from what what we've been able to see on Twitter and things like that, I think uh, a lot of the intrigue surrounds... Uh, some of the new additions, but I think the forward group is really getting a lot of highlights so far in training camp. I think uh, based on some new additions, which we're going to talk a little more in depth about some of those guys here in a little bit, but uh, obviously the return of Jonathan Taves being a huge one as well. Uh, you know, Alex DeBrinkett, Patrick Kane, you know, the guys already in place uh, kind of, you know, you and I talked about it when we exchanged a couple of tweets on Twitter, uh, just about how many forwards are competing for how few spots. And I think that's a, a huge storyline kind of as, as well. So um, my take so far is just I'm intrigued to see how these guys are lining up. Uh, obviously, we we have a Seth Jones sighting on the power play today for the one unit. Kalinuk taking it for the two unit. I think that's uh, worth noting as well. And we'll talk about it more, you know, just a little foreshadowing for all the listeners. But it's good. I think so far, so good. Uh, all things considered with a training camp, it, it's plenty of excitement for Blackhawks fans so far. Right. Also really cool to see fans back able to attend at Fifth Third Arena. So that is really cool. Uh, something that obviously uh, was not the case. You cannot do that last year due to COVID protocols. So um, that's a cool element uh, that is, you know, back this year as well. But as for observations early on here, yes, seeing all the videos, it's great. Uh, Charlie Emiliotis, Ben Pope, uh, Scott Powers, Mark Lazarus flooding our timelines with beautiful sounds and sights of Blackhawks hockey going on there. Yeah, um, I guess, you know, elephant in the room, biggest one, we'll talk extended uh, on him in a little bit, but Jonathan Taves being back and placed into roles uh, that make him, make, it makes a fan feel like uh, this guy will be ready for opening night after missing all of last season. So we'll get into Jonathan Taves a little bit more in a little bit, but I agree with you. I think the forward group is the most intriguing to me. Um, you could also make an argument for uh, the last few defensive spots, but I, you know, there's just fewer spots there. So you already have a kind of a core in place with the additions with guys that are left over. Over, uh, that have been here for a little bit. Um, so th- that's a little bit more set in stone, fewer spots to compete for. But the forward group, um, obviously you have your mainstays in the cat, 
Kaner, Taves, if he's healthy, um, you know, Tyler Johnson, a newly acquired from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you, you got a bunch of those. Kirby Doc. But then after that, there are so many depth spots that are open. Um, and granted, you know, I say so many, but it's more like a handful or so. Um, but there are just unknowns uh, with guys that you acquired in trades, like a Hedrick Bordstrom. Um, you've got young guys uh, that'll be vying uh, for time uh, around, you know, alongside him. Uh, Mackenzie Entwistle, a guy we got a little taste of uh, at the end of last year. Uh, there, there are just so many here. So um, let's go with storylines to watch throughout camp. Ron, you wrote an excellent article for ontapsportsnet.com. Tell the listeners what that thing was all about. Yeah, so it was kind of my little take of things I'm watching and and, and on the lookout for uh, entering this season because, Johnny, like you and I noted, 2020-2021 season effectively was so weird. Uh, and there were so many things that transpired, but it was a good transition year, it felt like, for the Hawks. A lot of guys stepping up, getting playing time, like you noted. We got to see guys like Mackenzie Entwistle, Mike Hardman, who signed. Um, obviously, the kind of resurgence of – the cat, I think, was a huge one as well. The revenge tour, as we joked about back in the spring. And, uh, you know, it got me thinking of like, okay, what what are things that I'm looking for in camp? And, uh, you know, just to, obviously, like you mentioned, Jonathan Taves is such a big one uh, in, in his return. And I, I know you enjoyed uh, how it was phrased, so it feels worth mentioning. Um, but with uh, who's number two? And it's not necessarily – well, I am curious as to who's number two in net, and I think we can both sit here and agree it is Kevin Lankinen, but um, who's number two? Who's replacing Duncan Keith as the, the bonafide leader uh, and go-to workhorse on the blue line? I think that's something I'm intrigued to see. And again, as I phrased it in the article, well, it's Seth Jones, duh, right? And it's like, well, sure, but Connor Murphy was very heavily leaned on last year. And I know you and I joked, and maybe me being a little more of the devil's advocate, but are we talking about number one defenseman, Connor Murphy? Like we said that a lot last year. And so I really think, you know, this is the time for these new guys. Cause this is a very new looking blue line this season with the departures of guys like Keith, um, you know, and seeing where those go and some guys that have reinvented themselves in the off season, Adam Gaudet, one of the guys that you mentioned competing for those forward spots, how the rest of the defense shakes out uh, really. And so much more. So I encourage people to go read it. I thought it was a fun article to write. And um, it just it goes to show that, like, I feel like I covered a lot of things and there's probably still things that other people can come up with uh, that are storylines because there was so much turnover this offseason, so many new faces um, that there's a ton to really keep an eye out as camp and preseason open up here. You know, Johnny, now in the next few days with the first preseason game coming up this week already. Right, Ron. And I think you could divide that thing down basically by position uh, and go with a, a length of storylines uh, for each there. And then mm-hmm. you can make a whole prospect section of it as well. Uh, but go and check that out. It's on Click on the Blackhawks tab at the very top and you will see it uh, within those articles there amongst other things uh, that are on that website. All good stuff there, uh, Ron, but you make my life easier here. I kind of make these rundowns and put our notes together, but that's kind of a rundown in and of itself because uh, we are going to elaborate on a bunch of those storylines. But before we get to that, uh, let's talk injuries real quick early here in camp i'm just going to list them off here and then i'll let you uh elaborate if you have any concerns ron so colton doc not practicing as of today monday when we're recording this september 27th uh right shoulder he is day-to-day jeremy colladin said elk regula did skate in a pre-session workout warming up the goalies today but uh they held him out of practice due to a lower back issue i would imagine he is day-to-day and they don't think it's that serious if he did get out there and twirl it around a little bit uh kevin lankinen was removed from the covid protocol uh he was back on the ice Monday. Uh, Mike Hardman, on the other hand, is still 
in the COVID protocol. I uh, have not seen an update on him. Um, other than that, Colin Dahlia uh, had a non-COVID related illness, but he was back one of the goaltenders with the first group alongside Kevin Lankinen here on Monday, September 27th. And no update yet, at least I haven't seen on Jalen Luipin, a uh, seventh round draft pick of the Blackhawks this past year. Uh, looked like he had a lower body issue, uh, was not putting any weight uh, on his foot uh, at the end of last week. I believe that was Friday's session. Um, so th- those that's the injury updates here. Ron, anything concerning stand out to you early on? I know uh, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of stuff to go over, but uh, anything there, I think Colton Doc may be the most notable name of there. The other ones uh, in Dahlia and uh, Regula um, look like they'll be back uh, in the mix here soon. So, Yeah, and, and Johnny, I think it just further test. it's a further testament to how busy we were on baseball this summer because there were so many things to talk about. Like, there's two Doc brothers in the Blackhawks organization. We have a pair, two pairs of brothers in training camp together with the Jones brothers as well, which I think is is, is a hysterical storyline. But uh, yeah, I think overall the Colton Doc one maybe is a little interesting, um, strictly because the the rumors came out that he was unhappy with Saskatoon as his WHL team and that he's looking to move to a new WHL team this year. He for sure will be back in the juniors. He won't be playing up with the Hawks, obviously. But um, so certainly you want to see him get a full training camp because this is a big developmental year for him, and if he's gonna hopefully maybe be playing alongside his brother someday wearing the Indian head sweater. Uh, You certainly want him to get his first training camp and be healthy. So I think he's probably the only one, but so far I think overall um, the Hawks health in good shape. And I think all things considered, uh, that's certainly something that we can be thankful for uh, given the fact that coming into last season alone, we were already down a Jonathan Taves uh, (laughs) entering the season. So uh, I think it's nice seeing mostly healthy reports so far and hopefully that good health continues. Right. So um, if you need further updates on this, obviously these things can change day to day. I mean, we talk about guys that are their status is day to day. COVID protocol still in effect uh, for this year. So certain guys can go on that and come off uh, just depending uh, on the status of their tests or wh- whatever it may be uh, for showing any symptoms, all of that. Go and check our Twitter out at Four Feathers Pod, uh, where we retweet all of the updates that come through there. Uh, articles that uh, that are relevant there will be posted to uh, the timeline. So it's at Four Feathers Pod on Twitter. Need the refresher there. All right, Ron. Before we get into the major, uh, massive storylines that you kind of outlined uh, a little bit earlier, we'll dive deeper into those. Uh, let's just talk breakout potential breakout players at camp and another uh, article on ontapsportsnet.com you can go and check out from our guy austin p blackhawks d zone uh he wrote uh, about these potential breakout players and ones that catch my eye here ron are uh mckenzie entwistle uh he has gotten a lot of praise uh from other guys especially brandon hagel um and jeremy colladin uh most notably and most recently just happening today uh you've got henrik borgstrom uh who you know was acquired in the Florida trade um, at the end of last year. So it will be interesting to see what he does. I saw a video. He didn't look good in a shift, but once again, just training camp, it's one shift. Maybe they just got him on a wrong one when Scott Powers posts his old uh, ISO videos. You know what I'm talking about. Um, Other than that, on the back end, uh, Wyatt Kalinuk, obviously we got a taste of him last year. You noted he was uh, running some second power play groupings today. And then Isaac Phillips, another big physical guy on the back end there. Um, and he's also got some speed, you know, a draft pick, I believe, from 2020 class. So, um, you know, a, a lot of intriguing names here. Obviously, Isaac Phillips did get a uh, entry-level contract, too, um, back over the summer. So uh, th- those are kind of the guys that I'm looking for here. Any other names besides that, or if you want to elaborate on any of those before we get into Jonathan? the tapes here 
Yeah, I think maybe one player that I would add to that grouping is is Adam Gaudet. I think he's a, a prime candidate, you know, change of scenery. Um, there's reports that he's put on, you know, 15 pounds or so of muscle in the offseason, uh, make him hard, a little harder to knock off the puck. And it sounds like he's really trying to revamp his career uh, and maybe have a future here in Chicago. I think it's ironic that um, perhaps the Dylan Sakura experiment is ultimately what led to Adam Gaudet becoming a Blackhawk uh, since they played together at Northeastern to, uh, at the same time when he won the Hobie Baker, he being Gaudet. So uh, maybe him, but I think the biggest one is Entwistle uh, to, to just kind of second what you said. Uh, he's been getting a lot of praise. Hagel, um, you know, his, his roomie when they were together in Rockford um, has been giving him a lot of praise and even Jeremy Colleton. Uh, was quoted uh, giving him praise as well, uh, noting that his skating has really improved year to year. And again, if that's a guy with his size and his, you know, just kind of that perfect power forward build and game style, if he's faster, that's a guy that I'm keeping an eye on this season, Johnny, because if somebody gets hurt, he's probably that next man up and getting a look. And at worst, he's playing top line minutes as a forward down in Rockford. So um, he's definitely a guy that I'm keeping my eye on. And I like Phillips, too. I think Phillips is really intriguing. A late uh, late round draft pick, as you mentioned, in that 2020 class um, kind of came onto the scene hot with Rockford in the shortened season last year and earned himself a, a contract this offseason. So he's certainly a guy that is probably going to factor into – you know, maybe not top pairing minutes, depending on who ends up making the Blackhawks roster out of camp, uh, but certainly in that top four at minimum down in Rockford this season. Yep, absolutely. One last note here on Mackenzie Entwistle um, is that, you know, Tyler Johnson spoke to the media today and he had talked about the, how the Lightning game plan for the Blackhawks last year. And they had said, yes, sure, they have uh, plenty of skill guys, but they're not most overly physical team. So, uh, you know, th that was kind of an area of attack and what uh, the um, Blackhawks saying that that's an area of focus, a little more sandpaper to their game. Guess what? Mackenzie Entwistle is a guy uh, that can bring that. And then if you talk about Adam Gaudet, obviously a little bit more skill uh, to his game there, but him adding on the pounds, it just makes him, like you had said, uh, harder to move off the puck. And also of note with Adam Gaudet, uh, been try uh, trying out at a center spot here. Um, I believe he, he used split time uh, throughout his time in the league between center and wing, just depending on varying lineups uh, when he was with Vancouver in the very, very short stint uh, since being traded over at the end of last season. Um, so we'll be interesting to see because you did lose a David Camp. So there is, uh, you know, essentially a center spot there. I know you gained one with Tyler Johnson back and then obviously Jonathan Taves going to return here. But just will be interesting to see. Keep an eye on Adam Gaudet because I do think skill level is there. I hate this kind of uh, blanket term, but it is bit of untapped potential there um so it'll be interesting to see obviously a hobie baker award winner you don't win that unless you have a, a level of skill that warrants it so that does it uh breakout players here let's get into the meaty storylines and that is mr jonathan taves the captain is back uh full participant since day one of training camp ron this is just so damn refreshing to see it really is, Johnny, because let's be honest, we all missed the captain. It was really weird watching a season of hockey, at least Blackhawks hockey, you know, for the first time really in the last decade plus that Jonathan Taves wasn't the number one center and playing big minutes for the Chicago Blackhawks. And it was weird. It really was weird. I remember watching games, you know, with you and Tony uh, and with other friends and, and sitting there and going, wow, your number one line, especially when Doc was hurt, you know what I mean, was Pius Suter. Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane. And I was like, huh. So this is life without Jonathan Taves. And it was weird. And I'm not entirely ready for it yet, Johnny. So to see him back, to hear the news that they've seemed to figure out what was the matter with him, um, I, I do kind of like a little feather in my cap that I noted um, 
when they were like, oh, what's going on? And it's like, you know what? He probably had a terrible reaction to COVID and it kept him out longer and he took longer to recover and they were wondering why it did. And it turned out it was his, you know, his SIRS, which was the, uh, you know, inflammatory response uh, in his immune system. So I, I just, I'm, I'm hoping he stays healthy. I know Stan Bowman was commented kind of tempering expectations per se um, at the beginning of training camp, but oh, it's just going to be so good to see number 19 back on the ice at the United Center, Johnny. Right. And uh, just one thing real quick, you talk about the COVID, uh, you know, situation with him too, um, th that possibly playing a factor in maybe, uh, you know, just an accumulation of things, uh, stuff from over the years, just wear and tear on the body uh, and, and, you know, how, how you respond to that. Uh, and, th and then COVID can complicate things too uh, on the South side of Chicago uh, with the socks on tap, something that I, uh, you know, saw very closely uh, up, up close to personal last year was Yoan Moncada, um, a, you know, third baseman. He was not the same self. Uh, that he normally is, um, and that was all due to COVID that he had right before uh, sort of the MLB summer camp began in their shortened season last year. So um, I, you know, can, can definitely uh, see some similarities uh, in that. And it's you know, Jonathan Taves. I'm glad he took the time they needed to. But um, you know, he's back, and it looks like uh, for all intents and purposes, Ron, he is being slotted now into roles that I hinted at this earlier, but being slotted into roles that make you think he's going to be ready for opening night here. Uh, it, it, when you're talking about stuff in training camp, and I know it is just training camp. They have a big group, a lot of, you know, uh, multiple sessions per day, uh, just with how many guys are in there, but either way, they kind of have an A group, a B group, a C group. And in that A group, Jonathan Taves is centering Dominic Kubalik, Brandon Hagel on the first line. And today they were finally working out power plays. He's the low man in front of the net. That's his typical role down there back there on power play one. Um, so what, what should we expect from Jonathan Taves here? I think even if you get, you know, three quarters of what Jonathan Taves has been throughout his career, um, you know, maybe if he is off to a slow start, he's obviously effectively over a year removed from hockey. Um, last time really playing was in the bubble, uh, you know, when, let's be honest, that line between uh, he, Dominic Kubelik, and Brandon Saad, I miss him so much, um, you know, were really good uh, in that, you know, playoffs against Edmonton and then even against Vegas uh, before they were knocked out. So uh, I really just think, you know, you, we can get the Jonathan Taves of old. I think as long as he's healthy and he feels good, uh, you know, we could see a 50 to 60 point campaign out of Jonathan Taves. I don't think that's totally out of the realm of possibility because he's going to play top six minutes. He's going to play, you know, the top power play, there's a good chance he kills penalties as well. You know, so it'll be interesting to see. I wouldn't mind if they kept him off the penalty kill just for sake of his body and the wear and tear, but he is such an important player, especially with that face-off ability that it's just, again, it's going to be so good to have number 19, who's just such a complete center back on the ice. Um, you know, especially after last year, we can, I think, really all point and say, hey, the Hawks played well, all things considered. Uh, they just really lacked a lot of center depth, and, you know, number 19 was a huge part of that. Right, exactly, Ron. And, uh, you know, j just uh, on the specifics here. So like you had mentioned, uh, Ron, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Taves dealing with chronic inflammatory response syndrome. Um, that is was the official diagnosis. Obviously, you put out the video back in June, um, kind of explaining that after being a bit off the grid uh, for the most part, you know, kind of mum was the word last year. Now, Stan Bowman also trying to temper expectations. Says, you know, uh, he's going to be in camp. He's going to be participating, but uh, we don't know for sure. People ask him about uh, Jonathan Taves status for opening night. Um, so th that's the official uh, 
kind of, you know, by, by the book, uh, the Blackhawks book, so to say, uh, it's not official that'll be ready, but I, I like these signs in training camp because I don't think you'd go and thrust them into these roles because guess what? Game action's coming up quicker than you think two days away we're two days away from the first preseason game not saying that he's going to play and all that and obviously they're going to have to rotate guys in to get looks and all that but either way this is where you know you only have a certain amount of time season starts mid-october october 13th um looking like he's on a track to be there would you agree Absolutely. Uh, I think we we can both confidently sit here and say, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if earlier in the season he's not playing the traditional top center minutes. Uh, not to say that he's probably still not going to play at least 15 minutes a night, but, you know, maybe he's not playing the 18 and 19 minutes and even over 20 that we've seen a guy like Patrick Kane play at times over the last few seasons. Uh, again, at least early in the season, I think they want to see where his conditioning and his cardio is. Um, but all things considered, I fully expect him to still play 15 to 17 minutes a night and, and be a very important part of this Blackhawks forward group in 2021-2022, Johnny. One last thing I'll leave about Jonathan Taves. After the first day of camp, they interviewed him, and he had said, uh, I feel dog-tired today, but it feels damn good. So that that, that is a good sign for uh, me. It gives me confidence uh, regarding Jonathan Taves' status. All right, let's move on to another guy who uh, a little bit more quietly dealing with it and obviously not as major uh, of a situation, but Patrick Kane, your second, you know, one of your other top forwards here. Um, and he's dealing with a nagging undisclosed injury that affected him last season, but he's optimistic it won't be an issue long term. Um, Ron, any concern regarding this year? Um, apparently he dealt with it last year. He still had a pretty damn good season last year. I was going to say, Johnny, if he was dealing with an injury last year, he could have fooled me because, sure, the goal numbers were down. Only 15 goals for Patrick Kane, which is definitely not his norm. You know, in a 56-game campaign, you would probably expect him to hover somewhere uh, closer to, say, you know, 20, maybe even 25 goals. Nonetheless, he was still third highest assist leader in the league, uh, only behind a pair of Edmonton Oilers named Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, um, and still finished tied for fifth in the points in the NHL. So, um if Patrick Kane can be quote unquote dealing with a nagging injury and still put up those kind of numbers, Johnny, I think I feel content that it's not that serious. Uh, but nonetheless, you certainly want to keep an eye on it. You don't want it to get any worse um, than it already is. But he seems confident. And if the Hawks seem confident as well, then I too am confident that Patrick Kane will look like uh, number 88 of old and be a very big difference maker for the Hawks early and often this season. Right, Ron. And from the, you know, kind of uh, granted, it is just a, a limited look, just what you get from uh, reporters that are at the rink. But hey, for all intents and purposes, uh, all the drills that he's involved in, A, he's going balls to the wall and B, he's looking like the Patrick Kane of normal uh, dishing assists, uh, getting back uh, on rushes. You know, I saw a great one today. Alex to bring it with a back check strips a puck in the middle of the ice streaks down with Kane uh, sets him up for a goal. And Patrick Kane, obviously wrist shot deadly um, buried that thing. So w- looking good for all intents and purposes here. And hey, Ron, we need this guy. I think he'll be fine. Like you'd said, I- I'm honestly not that concerned if he was dealing with it last year. A, uh, not saying that's a good thing, but he at least knows how to manage that then. And maybe the off season will help, uh, you know, just not wearing your body out every day uh, that, that will help along that. But he also knows how to deal with it throughout the course of the season. Obviously a little extra added motivation uh, with new pieces around him and the expectation to be competitive this year, but he's got a ceremony coming up, Ron played in his thousandth game last year. Uh, it was at Dallas um, in kind of March uh, area there. Um, but he said, I love that he and the Blackhawks did this. They wanted to wait until the best fans in hockey could be back in the building to celebrate it. So second home game of the year, Ron, which also happens to be my first game of the year that I'll be attending uh, Thursday, uh, 
yeah, Thursday, October 21st versus the Vancouver Canucks, uh, one cane ceremony. I'm jacked. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I, I too am jacked for it, Johnny. And I, I unfortunately won't be at a first game, at least guaranteed at this point until November. Um, but that being said, uh, the old uh, fingers will get a little intrigued around the keyboard. Uh, while scrolling ticket sites, I'm sure, for that game, because I, too, would like to be in attendance to celebrate uh, potentially the greatest American-born player to ever play in the NHL. It's going to be fun. I mean, again, a 1,000 games played. He, he also scored his 400th goal last season, which you know people obviously talked about, but another huge milestone for him as well. I mean, just Patrick Kane just continues to put together his Hall of Fame resume, and it's just another milestone along the way that the you know Blackhawks fans get to celebrate with him and it's going to be apropos that they waited and, and they're going to do it with a full house uh at the UC because that building is going to be rocking uh for that game in celebration of one cane so it'll be pretty cool and uh if I can't be there Johnny I'll live vicariously through you but otherwise I'm going to try and be in the building as well Right. Absolutely. A few, just a few final notes here on that. Um, a, uh, I love Patrick Kane milestones. I just happened to be in attendance when he scored his thousands uh, uh, career point. Um, I, I was there for that one uh, at my end of the ice too. So that was excellent there. Um, and then, uh, you know, this one, I love that they're doing against the Canucks. And this is the only ceremony they're doing before a game against Canucks at home this year. So uh, I, I like that kind of back and forth. They have the Canucks retired the uh, Sedin's numbers. Remember before a game against the Blackhawks Cup? years sure ago. do yeah so there's a little back and forth there i like that it's like the, it's a nice little touch funny when they came out with the promo schedule and you see all those dates and who the opponents are for them and we'll get to that more because we are going to be looking ahead uh to the slate later but i just wanted to bring that one up as we were talking about uh mr one cane here so all right let's get on to another forward here a little forward heavy to start this thing off but we might as well start up front and that is tyler johnson because uh he is centering the aforementioned Kane and Alex to bring it on the first line in rushes here at camp. Uh, he's playing the bumper role on power play one unit, Ron, which I think is really interesting. Uh, we've kind of been longing for a guy in that role. I know Andrew Shaw facilitated it for a little bit um, at the beginning of last season before uh, the unfortunate concussion that led uh, to him retiring from hockey. And other than that, I just don't think Dominic Kubalik, who they also tried to slot in there, is as effective. He's better served on the wing out there. Uh, Tyler Johnson seems like more of a natural fit here. Thoughts? Uh, he does seem like a more natural fit because he's always been kind of that pass first guy uh, that thrives in that role as, you know, kind of the setup man. And I think he's going to do really well there. You know, I'm telling you, everybody was kind of underwhelmed, I feel like, when a Johnson was acquired for the Seabrook contract. So, like, wow, why did they take on such a big contract? And, you know, sure, they got a draft pick, but, like, you gave up cap space and but I think just people forget how good Tyler Johnson is. Like, sure, he's had a couple of, like, eh seasons the last year and a half or so, but, like, he was still a huge part of that top nine for Tampa Bay that, let's be brutally honest, some of those third-line players in Tampa could be first- and second-line players on a lot just, of other teams in the NHL. Look at what Carter Verhage did when yes. he went to Florida. Perfect example. Look at what Carter Verhage did. Look at what Jonathan Marchiso did when he left Tampa initially and ironically went to Florida as well before ending up in Vegas. Like, you know, Tampa has always been deep. They pride themselves on their forward depth, and there's a reason that they're back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champions. Tyler Johnson was a huge part of those teams. He has been a huge part of that Tampa Bay franchise for a long time. And I saw an article this the other day uh, in the Twitter sphere. I, I cannot recall off the top of my head right now who it was written by, but as him kind of being the X factor this season. And I think that's a perfect way to put it because if Tyler Johnson can get back to the Tyler Johnson that earned him that five and a half million dollar a year contract, 
the Blackhawks could look really pretty right now with having Johnson, Taves, and Kirby Doc up the middle this year with all the forward depth that they acquired in addition to with some guys like Gaudet and Borgstrom, et cetera. So, I mean, I, I'm actually very excited to see Tyler Johnson play. I've been a big Tyler Johnson fan over the years. He's always been a guy I've enjoyed watching and I thought was very underappreciated in the grand scheme of things in Tampa too. So um, love him in that bumper role. I, I like him between Kane and Debrinkit. I think they work well. Uh, I think the only thing that scares me with that line, it's a very small line and it's a very, mm-hmm. um, you know, they it's thrive. As well. Yes, they thrive a lot on skill and things like that. So, um, you know, ideally... Will it work out for the whole season? Probably not. But if you want to try it out the out the gate, especially with uh, you know, we noted earlier in the show, uh, the Taves Kubalik Hagel line. I, I think little little bold prediction. I'll sneak in here real quick. I think Brandon Hagel uh, turns on the Jets and makes um, not me, but maybe other Blackhawks fans forget about Brandon Saad being gone because I think he can be that type of player. He plays that type of game. You know, good two way balls-to-the-walls type winger, and I think he's going to thrive with Jonathan Tapes. I think he takes a step forward this year uh, after earning himself a nice little three-year contract that, let's be honest, he's going to outplay that contract very quickly, I think. so. Um, but I'm excited. I really am. I think Tyler Johnson was a really good acquisition, all things considered. Uh, and I, I, I am extremely excited to see how he fits his role within this team and if he can thrive on it, because if he can thrive on it, Johnny, like we said, the way he played in Tampa – it's going to be a fun hawk season because Tyler Johnson could be primed for, you know, a 50 plus point campaign. Right. And uh, so last season, just comparison here, eight goals, 14 assists. Obviously, this is a short and 56 game campaign, 22 points overall, though, in the 2021 season. Um, a, he was playing more down the lineup uh, for Tampa Bay. So you have to imagine, I don't know what the exact line combinations will be. Obviously, in these first few days, we had mentioned uh, him centering Kane and the cat. Um, but no matter where it happens, he's going to be within that top six. I would imagine uh, at the very worst, maybe every once in a while, just trying different things out, plug and place. Uh, in, in a third line role, but either way, he'll be the skill guy, the skill leader of that line if he gets down that far in the lineup. So, um, A, the point total should uh, increase. And also, if he's on the power play in that bumper roll and it works out the way that we think he will, um, guess what? The right handed shot is big there because guess who plays along the right wing boards? Mr. Patrick Kane. So, yes, sir. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, setups on a silver platter for him. And I think he can bury, he's got the skill level to do that. Uh, be able to bury quick wristers in there from uh, the mid to low slot area. So um, we'll be interested to see. Uh, that's what I got on Tyler Johnson here. Also, um, you know, talk about uh, scoring production down a little bit. And once again, a factor of playing down the lineup a little bit with Tampa Bay, um, but also at the dot though, he had a nice season, nice rebound season. He was below 50%, I believe for two seasons before that, but back up to 54.8% at the dot. We saw videos of him taking face-off drills against Jonathan Taves. Uh, Looked pretty even. I think Tyler Johnson even got a little edge on him. I think he won uh, at least of what the clip that Scott Powers showed on Twitter uh, looked like uh, Tyler Johnson won that. So he might be a little sneaky at the dot, some quick hands to be able to get in there. So that uh, is another element of the game that I think uh, can go uh, under the radar a little bit. So I just wanted to point that out here uh, while we're here. All right. That's a lot of talk up front here. Um, Obviously going to be plenty of depth guys uh, that we will get into further. And as we know more about camp cuts and decisions and what we hear from Jeremy Calden, going forward so we'll circle back on the forward groups next time we talk but let's get to the back end because this is where a lot of the big additions came ron started off man seth jones at the top biggest name might as well just start with it 
Yeah, I mean, Seth Jones, obviously a huge acquisition, getting him on draft night. Um, I know we heavily went back and forth in our chats about the trade. I think all things considered, I would, I'm would i very happy overall about the trade. I think it was a good trade. It made a lot of sense for what the Hawks needed to do. Uh, I think Seth Jones is highly disrespected in the NHL lately. Um, I know his underlying numbers aren't the prettiest per se over the last couple of seasons, but let's be honest, he plays a lot of minutes fifth most in the NHL on average last season. Um, and he was playing on a really shitty Columbus Blue Jackets team, Johnny. And sure, like he played with a good partner in Wierenski, but like he's still a very good defenseman. There's a reason that he was the number four overall pick by the Nashville Predators back in that 2013 NHL draft. So I'm very excited to see what Seth Jones does. I think he's um, certainly in the contention to become the quote unquote number two and that being in reference to, you know, the workhorse and the Duncan Keith role. Um, but again, I mean, they extended Connor Murphy. They added Jake McCabe. You still have Kelvin DeHaan there. Uh, obviously, Riley Stillman, a guy that got the contract extension uh, over the summer as well. Wyatt Kalnuck, who we've noted is already working on the power play. So clearly they think that he's going to have a little bit of a role. Oh, and don't forget, they also acquired Caleb Jones and they still have Ian Mitchell. So it's it's. It feels weird to talk about a blue line problem, Johnny, because it's been a few years, but they have a blue line problem. They actually have some depth now, and it's going to be interesting to see who kind of fills out because they really have that top four kind of solidified, and it's really four guys playing for really you know two spots. I'll call it two and a half, assuming they carry a seventh defenseman as well, maybe a guy like Kalinuk. Um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting, and ultimately one of these guys – um, my bet being Ian Mitchell is going to end up in Rockford and, and playing 25 minutes a night down there, but they got depth, Johnny, and it feels really weird to say, and I actually feel like this Blackhawks blue line isn't going to give up 33 uh, chances a night on average, which I believe was best for any worst in the NHL last season. Um, you know, just giving up way too many shots on net, and ultimately is why they weren't a playoff team versus being a playoff team. So I'm excited, uh, but Seth Jones, like you said, that's where it starts, and I'm really, really intrigued to see if he can rebound and kind of get back to the quote-unquote Seth Jones of old. Yeah, so uh, I've had this kind of stance ever since the trade went down uh, in, in the subsequent s contract extension. I love the trade. I, I love what Seth Jones will bring uh, in his first years here. But, however, I hate the contract. But, you know what, I'm going to just spell that for right now. I'm going to put that to the side because you are going to have Seth Jones' best years in his prime here. It will be at the end where we are talking about this like a Seabrook contract. I know salary caps will probably raise and it won't be as much of a constraint as the Seabrook Albatross was sort of for the Blackhawks, but I just want to put that out there down the road. So if you ever hear uh, anyone getting pissy money about that, that is the reason because it is big dollars for uh, when he will not be playing uh, minutes and uh, quality of minutes that warrant those big dollars. So and just like, yeah. just like Seabrooks too, a full no movement clause for all eight years. And I think that was my biggest gripe about the contract. Yes, exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll put that to, to rest for now. I did just want to get that out in front of that. But yes, I mean, he is the leader of the defenseman. No question. Number one defenseman. And you reshaped this whole thing. Uh, and it was a major problem. They give up the most scoring chance. They give up the most shots on goal. Over the past two seasons, I believe it's been that way. So you needed to do something to address this. Stan Bowman saw a chance to go and do it. Um, and he did that. And like, well, like I said, the trade, hey, the, the trade itself is great. It was just the extension. So uh, I'll, that'll be my last word on that, I promise. Uh, but yes, Seth Jones will be the leader of this thing. But the acquisition that I think both of us are even more excited for is Jake McCabe, man. 
This guy, he is a defensive defenseman, and he is mobile, and he is what you need. I'm not going to say the next Nicholas Jalmerson, but of that ilk, correct? Correct. The style, the style yes. of that ilk, right? And that is what we've been longing for ever since Nicholas Jalmerson left. That is where the decline of the Blackhawks blue line started. So mm-hmm. getting Jake McCabe in the mix, and he looks healthy. That is the biggest thing. It was it's maybe some concern because, you know, you just sign him and you get in free agency, you a four, four-year contract. You haven't even seen this guy really uh, back uh, in game action since, obviously, because of the season ender uh, that happened, I believe, in mid-February for the Buffalo Sabres last year. So um, getting Jake McCabe, though, he's a Chicago guy. That's one thing that I love. His I believe his uh, wife is from, you know, Chicagoland originally, yep. um, and he said, you know, he kind of made that a second home of his uh, in in off seasons, whatnot. So a loves that B playing with Connor Murphy, a longtime friend of his uh, from team USA, uh, very various levels that they played at there. Uh, and see, like I mentioned, just the play style. And it looks like he is very healthy in camp. Uh, they posted a video about him uh, looking very mobile. That is what Scott powers put out there. And I just thought that was huge because that was the first time we'd seen him a on the ice and B um, showing that that leg because it was a pretty nasty injury uh, if you go back and watch the video of it. So uh, th- that's all good signs for me. And like I said, not next, not next Jalmerson yet, but he could play himself into that way, but he is of that ill. You agree? And, I, and I, uh, yes, I do agree. And I actually think Johnny um, he's of that Jalmerson in terms of that defensive first guy. And I think we can all agree that Murphy has kind of become that type of guy as well. But what I like about McCabe and what I like about Murphy is they're both two son of a bitches to play against because they're physical. They're not afraid to hit people. McCabe has quite a long list of very hard hits that have actually gotten him into some fights because guys challenge him for those hits. They're usually clean, which is awesome. Um, but he's a son of a bitch. He's a hard player to play against on the blue line. And I think that's, again, what the Blackhawks are trying to become a little bit. You know, they have the guys, I think, in that forward group that can be kind of those grinders. You have the Brandon Hagels of the world. You have the Mackenzie Whistles. You have the Adam Gaudets. You have the Ryan Carpenters, who obviously we know Johnny's the president of that fan club. Uh, you know, that can be those type of grinder guys in the forward group. Now you have two of them really potentially three or four of them if you include guys like Riley Stillman and even maybe a little bit of Caleb Jones that now on the back end can just be those son of a bitches. Like, can you just imagine Connor Murphy and McKay playing with each other on like a penalty kill and just labeling people into the boards constantly and blocking shots? Like that just makes my, that just makes my heart warm, Johnny, because we, I feel like we've lacked good defensive hockey from the Blackhawks over the last couple of years. So seeing a guy like McCabe come into the fold, a guy who I actually always admired from afar when he was in Buffalo, I was like, Oh, he's kind of a nice little player. He's American born. I think, um, Al Claire, Wisconsin. I'm totally mispronouncing that. I'm sure. Um, is he's a Wisconsin native, just over the border, not too far. And then you mentioned his wife is from, uh, I believe, the northwest suburbs of Chicago. And yeah, like literally, there's a, a video on the Buffalo Sabers YouTube channel that is like his highlight of like his off season, and it literally starts with him and his wife taking a boat ride on the Chicago River in Chicago. And I think it's so perfect. It just He's a Chicago guy. He's like, I wanted to be here. Seth Jones was like, I wanted to be here. Connor Murphy's like, I want to be here and extends for, let's be honest, less money than he probably could have gotten on the free yep. agent market. Like, Johnny, Johnny, I'm getting excited. There's a lot of serotonin pumping through my blood right now while we talk about this Blackhawks blue line. It's safe to say now with those additions, Jones, obviously the big headliner, but McCabe solidifying that Murphy getting extended. You got Stillman on a nice extension too, uh, because that is not a huge uh, cap hit there uh, for him, at least for what I think he'll bring to the table. You have a defensive core now. 
And I think that was in flux before. And that's the biggest thing uh, for our state of mind, um, <laughs> peace of mind for Blackhawks fans. And yes. then uh piece of the goalies minds on the ice. Cause you're not going to be, hopefully, hopefully we will see how it plays out, but hopefully yeah. not facing uh, the most shots in the league again. I'll tell you what, Johnny, when you, when you just said that they have a, a defensive core, I got chills. Because it's been a really long time since we've been able to say that. Like yeah. you said, the Jalmerson trade, the, the regression of Seabrook, you know, Duncan Keith, Johnny Oduya sailing off into the sunset. Like that that 2015 team was the last time we could really look back and say the Blackhawks had a defensive core. And now they have another defensive core that's young, all things considered, talented, and can bring a lot to the table. And it's again, this is to me, this is the season of does this team win a cup? Maybe not. Is this team going to be exciting as hell to watch, though? Absolutely, fucking lutely and I cannot wait. Yes, absolutely, Ron. So uh, we, we talked about the big names there. I do want to touch on some uh, other guys here because we talked about um, these potential breakout players and other guys that are on contract here uh, competing uh, for these last spots. So basically you have those your locks here, Ron, because you, you wrote this up perfectly here. Your locks are obviously Seth Jones, obviously Connor Murphy, obviously Jake McCabe, and Kelvin DeHaan is also in that mix of locks there. So you have four. So you have two spots there. Obviously, White Kelly, a very good candidate to uh, take over because he got time last year uh, with the way they're deploying him at the start of training camp. Uh, and then you also have Caleb Jones, uh, who is maybe possible uh, sweetener thing uh, that you have to bring over uh, from the Edmonton Oilers, obviously part of the return for the Duncan Keith, along with the draft pick that you got there. But he is in that mix. You have Ian Mitchell, like you had mentioned earlier. Um, and there are other guys there. There are Alec Regulas of the world. There are Isaac Phillips, who can maybe pushing, you know, knocking on the door a little bit, not immediately, but we've seen over the course of the season, you're going defensemen are going to get injured. It's going to happen. You're going to eat pucks. Uh, it's going to be wear and tear on the legs. You're going to need more than just six, seven defensemen. Uh, so there are going to be some guys here uh, who, who you watching for here uh, in these kind of last few spots on the blue line. Yeah. I think based on what we've seen too, a little bit through training camp, they've been running Stillman a lot with Murphy in like a second pairing quote unquote. So I truly think Riley Stillman is also a guarantee. So really it feels like, uh, three guys eff effectively competing for two spots, and I'll include that seventh defenseman role as that second spot. Um, quite honestly, I, Johnny, unless something crazy happens in training camp, uh, what I'm expecting to happen is it will be Caleb Jones kind of as like the 6'7 with Wyatt Kalnuck, Riley Stillman for sure being kind of your 4-5 with DeHaan. And then obviously your big three is your top three. And then I expect Ian Mitchell to be playing about 27 minutes a night down in Rockford. Maybe that's a little extreme, but you get my point. He will be for sure the hundred percent, the top defenseman uh, down with the Rockford ice hogs. Perhaps that's just good for his development too, because, you know, thinking ahead into next season, there's no guarantee that Wyatt Cal next days, maybe he has a really good year and outprices himself out of the Blackhawks. Maybe Caleb Jones moves on, you know, then maybe all of a sudden now we're talking about Ian Mitchell truly for, like cementing himself in this top six next season. And like you said, inevitably because of the shortened season and because of things just being wonky with the scheduling and whatnot, we probably will still see Ian Mitchell at some point this season. It might not be right away, but we'll still see him in a Blackhawks sweater. We'll see number 51 skating around the ice at some point. So um, 
I, I like I said, I fully expect kind of it to be Stillman Jones. Kalanuck is kind of the three for two in that bottom pairing. Um, but that being said, I, I don't think, you know, seeing a guys like Ian Mitchell and Regula who got a little taste of the NHL late last year, and maybe even an Isaac Phillips, if, if injuries piled up enough, um, you know, getting a taste of NHL action with the Blackhawks this season, I think, uh, you know, kind of referring back to the storylines article, uh, I will say he's coming from Deutschland with love in the forward group that could push late in the season to be up with the team. I think a couple of the guys you named like Regula and Phillips and Mitchell are those same type of guys that push for spots on the blue line. If injuries happen, or maybe if guys just need a night off. Yes, right. Exactly. So we'll be very interesting to see. I kind of agree with your assessment overall there. I do believe, you know, just we talk about still, it's still early in training camp. I get that, but Riley Stillman being deployed there also did get the contract extension. Andy is a left-handed shot that helps balance out some of those uh, right-handed ones that you have in Seth Jones and Connor Murphy. Um, you know, I know Jake McCabe's a left-handed shot there. Calvin DeHaan is as well, uh, but Wyatt Kalinuk, if you throw him into that mix, he is a right-handed shot as well. So um, just interesting things to make note of here. I agree. Um, probably still man, you'll see a healthy dose of Caleb Jones. I did want to get this out, Ron, because I was not thrilled uh, when Caleb Jones came back. And I understand uh, just part of the return. I, I, you got to do things like this uh, to get your ultimate number one guy in Seth Jones here. But, man, I've seen the storyline play out on the south side of Chicago. You remember when they were trying to sign Manny Machado? They went and got John Jay, his best friend. They went and got Yonder Alonso, his brother-in-law. And guess what? Those guys were basically worthless for the White Sox. And it was just like a, we have to play him because, oh, we don't want to look bad uh, now that we missed out. But the difference here is the Blackhawks did hit home on it. Uh, they did get the big fish in Seth Jones. So <laughs> if Caleb Jones playing a little bit uh, is what it takes, then you know what? I guess I can live with it. Uh, but overall, though, it will just be interesting to see. He's got to elevate his game, Ron, because this was a joke, kind of a running gag between you and me and the other four feathers contributors here. Um, and that was, if you search the internet real real hard after that trade you can find one nhl highlight of caleb jones uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's just yeah just want yeah. to leave it there so not saying the defensemen need to have highlights every night and all that stuff but uh you know it, it's just kind of the status of w w what you have uh, when you bring a guy like that over so we'll be interesting to see i would imagine you're seeing the jones brothers out there uh at least for certain uh you know periods of time throughout the year. So that about wraps it up on the blue line here. Let's talk goalies, flower power, baby. Mark andre Fleury is a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. How great does that feel to say, Ron? It's wild to say because I always said, you know, when he was a penguin and with his personality and he's a big jokester and a prankster, like I can't wait to hear the stories this year of who he pranks he, and who he gets. He's a very four feathers friendly goalie. Yes. He is. He is a very four feather, four feathers esque guy. Um, and again, like I, I remember the report initially coming out early in the offseason, like the Hawks are interested in Mark Andre Fleury. And I was like, that's a load of bullshit. And then, of course, the day that I'm out and about having to drive eight miles around the Chicagoland area, he gets traded to the Hawks. And I'm just like, what the hell just happened? And, you know, we were going back and forth about how does his contract affect them and this, that and the other. And if he doesn't report and it, it's refreshing to see him report and not only report, Johnny. Can we just talk about how much he's already embraced the culture of the Blackhawks? He's going with the old school looking pads in honor of Tony O as they play with the 35 patches on their jerseys this season. If that doesn't scream locker room glue, four feathers, just guy, I don't know what does. I'm super excited about Marc-Andre Fleury being a Blackhawk. And I will tell you, Johnny, um, 
I am excited about all the additions the Hawks have made this season, Flurry included. Uh, my wallet is not because I know there will be a Flurry, probably a Jones, and probably a McCabe jersey uh, being added to my closet <laughs> here at some point this season. So uh, my wallet hates it. I love it though. Mark Andre Flurry being a Blackhawk is so cool. I can't wait to see him play in the Indian Head Sweater. Yes, absolutely, Ryan. This guy is uh, man. He is the best trophy winner of last year. The best goalie in the league. That's I I understand. He's thirty six years old right now. Uh, I, I get that. I understand it. But some of these guys, they, they, first of all, it feels like some of them age like fine wine. And mm-hmm. second of all, he has shown no signs of decline in his play. Guess what? The Vegas Golden Knights had a very able bodied uh, backup, backup in Robin Leonard, who we were claiming for be our number one. We wanted to lock up when he Absolutely. was here for his half season in Chicago. Um, guess what? He played so well in front of Robin Leonard, who's younger than him that he earned the job over him and was a consistent starter for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, in that weird pandemic shortened season. So um, yes, it's exciting times. And uh, you know, n- n- this is no slight against Kevin Lankin, but the Blackhawks were just very inexperienced in that last year. Just call call a spade a spade. That is what it is. Kevin Lankin and getting his first taste over here uh, at the NHL level. Um, and now you have a veteran leadership and I think it, it, you, you just can't, quantify that in a certain way because uh there are situations as a goalie think about how great crow was for us Mm -hmm. for so many years and sure there might have been other flashes in the pan as backups that came up but there's a reason my crow stood the test of time and there was no like oh we need to get rid of him and make anti ranta our number one that never happened right Right. Right. Exactly. Because Crow was a definition of consistency. And this is not at all a shot at Corey Crawford, because I still I'll be the first person to sit here and clamor that number 50 should be in the UC rafter someday. Um, But Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be a Hall of Famer. Like he's going to be an NHL Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. He's one of the most winning as goaltenders of all time. He's won numerous Stanley Cups. He's now added a Vezina to that record as well. I mean, he is one of the greatest goaltenders of all time in the in this league. And sure, he's 36. I don't care. Like you said, this man's aging like a fine bottle of Cabernet, not aging like a, a, a carton of milk in the fridge that's gone too long. You know, it, it's it's truly it's going to be a treat first off to watch him play, I think in a Blackhawk sweater. But as you mentioned at a time when this, this franchise is in a transition mode and net, obviously Corey Crawford, like you said, standing the test of time and being the the staple number one goaltender here for so long, you know, Kevin Lincoln, and I think has a future with this team. I think Delia or Subban could have a future in this organization. I don't know how long that will be, but I certainly think that's there for them to learn from literally one of the best to ever do it. And for some of these other young guys that they have coming up, guys like Drew Camesso, uh, as well as the the youngster that they signed from overseas, I believe Svenbaum, 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 I am butchering the shit out of that. I know I am. <laughs> um, but them signing him as well, potentially to be a guy for the future too. All these guys can learn from Marc-Andre Fleury. Again, the guy's going to the Hall of Fame. He's won numerous Stanley Cups. He's for sure going to get his number retired by at least the Pittsburgh Penguins. And if it's, it might be retired by the freaking Golden Knights too. Who knows? Uh, just because of the impact that he made with, the, with Vegas in, in his short time there. He's a guy that's loved. People were pissed in Vegas when he got traded. That's a huge testament. It doesn't matter how old he is. That just shows that between his veteran leadership, between how good of a goaltender he is and the person that he is, 
that's what you are getting with him coming to Chicago. It's not just the guy on the ice. It's the guy off the ice too. Right. Exactly. And Ron, you had brought up a kind of impact and other guys learning from that transitions perfectly into the next quote that I was going to bring up. And it transitions to our next goaltender who will be the backup. And that is Kevin Lankinen. But um, a quote from Kevin Lankinen today uh, after practice talking about Marc-Andre Fleury and that acquisition. So uh, this is via Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times. Um, Says, reaction to the flurry trade, uh, Lankanen now saying, when I found out I was back in Helsinki giving, uh, having my summer break, and I was pretty pumped about it. The way I see it, it's a really good opportunity. He's a guy uh, I have a lot of respect for. He's been through a lot. He's in a position where I want to be one day. Getting the chance to know him, learn from him, compete with him, it'll be huge. And then Ben Pope asks, don't take it personally. He says, I still want to be the number one. That's my goal. I like to compete. I'm a competitor. I've always been competing throughout my whole career. Just having a guy like him that's been through it all, seen it all. He's going to be a good person for me to every time in practice battle with him, just learn something from him as well. The way I see it, if you want to be the best one day, you've got to learn from the best. You've got to compete with the best. And at the end of the day, you've got to beat the best. That's my point of view with that. I fucking love that quote, Ron. That, that, that talk about you had some uh, chills earlier. That gives me chills right there uh, about a the importance of Mark Andre Fleury and b what we could have after that because this may be a one year fling with Mark Andre Fleury. Hearing that from Kevin Lankinen's lips, I love it. Uh, your reaction there? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I think we saw those flashes in the pan of Kevin Lankinen last year being a guy that could be the number one goaltender for this franchise. There was numerous games, especially early in the season, where he single handedly kept the Hawks in games and even won them games uh I, I can count probably three or four in my memory of you and i johnny on the on the on this podcast you know him stopping 37 38 pucks out of 39 or 40 you know and the hawks winning a game because him being that good 17 14 and 5 he was still over 900 save percentage uh his goals against was high but that was just the product of how the team played i think and you know he's a guy that's shown the promise right we look back to his performance for team finland in the world championships that got them the gold medal he had a 194 goals against average against some of the best players in the world and they played russia mind you that had Ovechkin and Kovalchuk and Malkin and all these guys playing on that team because of their early playoff exits in 2019 so this is a perfect scenario, I think, for a guy like Kevin Lincoln. And he's still young enough where he can have many years as the number one goaltender here in Chicago. And like you said, he's going to learn from the best and he's going to beat the best. Marc-Andre Fleury is the perfect guy to talk to. I think these two are going to be a really fun one-two. And they have the personalities, I think, yes. that are going to drive really well. And I, like, I'm like, i excited to see the type of content those two create. Because, again, like the Kevin Lincoln and GIF we would tweet out last year, cool, calm, collected Kevin with the sunglasses – him and Mark Andre Fleury are going to become best friends. And honestly, that is going to be so important for the team chemistry this year, too. And if it starts in the net and these two guys are, are, are thick as thieves, just imagine what that's going to do for the rest of the, the lineup and, the, and effectively the locker room, too. I love the comment about uh, the team chemistry there, Ron. This is going to be a much more lively group. And I know last year, I think it was hard for anyone to, because you didn't have fans to start the year. It was cold right. year, short, and you started later than usual. You didn't have the same build-up anticipation. You had guys cycling in and out with taxi squads and COVID lists and all of this stuff. It's going to be a little bit more normal this year, and I feel like they're going to get back to having some fun, too, on the ice. A, when you're playing better, you're just going to have fun. When you win more, you're going to have fun. But Naturally. B, these guys know how to keep it light. They know, And that's a huge 
for a goaltender room that especially has a lot of guys that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury will be imparting his wisdom onto. Um, so I hope he can kind of impart some of that fun-loving nature onto it too. But Because guess what? You know, some people can take it seriously, and absolutely, uh, you know, this is their jobs. They are professionals at this. But at the end of the day, it's a game. You should mm-hmm. have fun with it. So I love that comment there, and I think that Marc-Andre Fleury uh, will bring that element. Kevin Lankinen is another, you know, one that will just uh, light up alongside him. I have to ask you, Johnny, I'm intrigued to hear this because I know you you do such a great job hosting Four Feathers every time. The host needs to be asked a question, too, and have some fun with this. So I ask you, Johnny, how much do you think, in terms of fun, are Kevin Lankin and Marc-Andre Fleury going to have when they start pranking everybody on the team? Because Lankin strikes me as a guy that's going to be like the the Robin to Marc-Andre Fleury's Batman with pranking people. Because we've heard the, the stories of Marc-Andre Fleury, even when he was in Vegas – he like found a way at the all-star game to punk Sidney Crosby by like tying his jersey up and shit when he had to go put it on. I mean, he goes to those type of levels to get people. The, I can't wait to see these two. The, How excited are you to watch these two punk everybody on the Blackhawks? Ron, I think the Blackhawks TV department is going to have to make a impractical jokers goalie edition. Video. Oh. I think that's how much they're going to be doing it. I love the story from Ryan Carpenter. They were asking yes. about Mark Andre Fleury's antics. My guy, well, I love you, Carpy. Uh, but he had said, uh, he's like, yeah. So I came back to my hotel room one night when we were playing in Vegas together. If you remember uh, Carpenter yeah. being in Vegas before, I yeah. uh, was signed with the Blackhawks. Um, but when he was there, he said, you know, everything, just everything like fl- chair flipped upside down, bag, have no idea where it is, no idea wh- wh- where my clothes are, my jersey, anything. Uh, just hilarious. <laughs> and that is the kind of stuff. Um, and Kevin Lycan and I feel like he's he's a little uh, bit, you know, obviously he's still new, uh, very much so to the NHL. But as you grow into that, and as you have more normal things, not just straight from uh, the rink to the hotel, stay in your room and all that, and you get a little bit more interaction and stuff like that. Like I said, I legitimately think you're going to have to have a goaltender's uh, practical joker sort of thing. I'm here for that. And and honestly, too, I think they could play off of that and have a second segment similar to like Tom Brady and Gronk have with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, switching sports a little bit here, where they do like the, the Tommy and Gronk or whatever. And it's just them asking each other questions and cracking jokes. Would love to see that between Lincoln and Marc-Andre Fleury. I think that would be absolutely hysterical. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad we got on a little bit of a fun topic there. But that is what the, the goaltender situation will bring. Uh, and it will bring a lot of success on the ice, too. Obviously, we know Marc-Andre Fleury's pedigree. Uh, Kevin Lankin should only grow uh, in his second year in the NHL. Um, and I think, you know, th- that quote about learning from the best to be able to eventually beat the best, um, it just shows Kevin Lankin's drive there. So when you, you have backup with that sort of, uh, you know, kind of motivation behind him, um, you're set up for good things here. It's not going to be a backup. I the look of it more as 1A and 1B, obviously, Flurry being the A. Uh, but, you know, Kevin Lankin is not a bad option either, too. It's not going to be like, you know, I hate to say this, not to rag on these other guys who we're going to talk about in a second, but if you're going to a game and it was, oh, well, Daly is in that tonight, you know, back when it was like, oh, okay, you know, we would grow had like issues and whatnot. And there was, uh, it's like, you know, it felt like a downgrade, whereas now you're not, you're not going to have that situation here. Um, but, and, and like I said, not to rag on these guys, but the, there are some other goalie names uh, in the group here. Uh, and that is still Colin Daly at Malcolm Subban. Obviously, Malcolm Subban got a, a hefty load of work last year. Um, and Colin Daly, a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end, showed a few flashes, but not as an extended of a look. Ron, thing that I have here is neither of these players are waiver exempt. They are not carried four goaltenders, might not even carry three. What the hell is going to happen here? Yeah, it's certainly something that's going to be worth keeping an eye on. I know there have been discussions and talks of 
if they do have at least some type of like COVID list this year, it might be a lot smaller than the taxi squads of old, but maybe they allow teams to carry kind of that third goaltender for free per se. Uh, and even if that's the case, which one of these guys do you pick? Delia showed moments last year, especially later in the season. He didn't really look good early in the year, but later in the season, he had a couple of really nice games where sure they might've still lost, but overall he played very well. And Malcolm Subban also showed those flashes as well at times last year. I remember him shutting out Detroit on the road um, as one that really sticks out in my mind. Super Bowl so Sunday at Dallas. Yes. Yeah. So like, you know, there there's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of intrigue, I think, between these two goalies. And I agree with you because they are both waiver uh, – or they're not waiver exempt, pardon me. So but you can start them in Rockford. That's all fine and dandy. But, like, if you got to call them up and then send them back down, you might lose them. And I, I think that's going to be something they really have to, to manage properly and keep an eye on because both of these guys are under contract and they're not under just, you know – entry-level minimum-type contracts where they're making 775 k I mean, sure, Subban's, but he got a new deal in the offseason, two years. I think it was 850 k per year. Uh, and Delia originally was signed for three years at a million bucks a pop, uh, and we really haven't seen him get much of a look in the NHL yet. So I am actually very intrigued to see what happens with these two because, sure, we have the the knowns, right, in Marc-Andre Fleury and Kevin Lankinen, but, like, these guys are fairly known commodities they just haven't gotten a really big look or opportunity. So uh, very intrigued to see what happens with these two because they're effectively playing not only for their futures in the Blackhawks organization, but maybe in the NHL in general. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, situations like, oh, it, why, why should I pay attention to training camp? This, this is why. Go follow at Four Feathers Pod on Twitter. We'll retweet all the clips that are involving both uh, Malcolm Subban, Colin Daly, and obviously get you the bigger highlights of all that. But those two, if you really want to keep an eye on something, a storyline to watch, this is one I know we were a little bit more intrigued with the forward group, but shit. This back third goalie situation, what's going to happen here? This training camp is huge for these guys, both of them. So uh, it's weird. You know, you would like to have game action to be able to prove it, but that ain't the case because they're not going to have as big of taxi squads and whatnot. Like you said, maybe able to retain one of them. But unfortunately, there's probably going to be someone going through waivers and someone is going to pick one of those goalies up um, because there, there is always a need for depth around the league, uh, just depending on situations that you look at. So um, we'll, we'll be very interesting to see on the goaltender front here. All right, Ron, that kind of does it for a nitty gritty of the positional breakdowns here. Let's talk uh, regular season schedules been out for a while. We know the promo schedule. Now uh, games we're looking forward to most this year. Um, start opening night is uh, Wednesday, October 13th, 9 p.m. in Colorado. This is going to be a tough one. <laughs> yeah, not a great game to start off on uh, either. I, I at least can have a little more solace in knowing that it's not going to be Brandon Sod beating up on us with Colorado. Um, but he's with another rival now, so that just makes my, my gears grind. We'll get to that, I'm sure, when they play the Blues uh, later in the season. But, yeah, I mean, a, a really good, tough, hard test you know, right out the gate, but I think that's going to be a good indicator. Uh, for where this Hawks team is early. You know, there are a lot of new faces. It's going to take time to gel a little bit, hopefully with a full training camp this year that helps that gelling process a little bit as well. Um, but I, I think if you can get a big win on the road on opening night against a great team like Colorado, that says a lot uh, about where this Hawks team is in comparison to where they were last year. 
yeah, right. Would be great to set the tone out there. So um, I've got a couple of friends that live out in Colorado too. So I hope they're out there. They're still tried and true Blackhawks fans. So I hope to see uh, them repping red out there. Um, we'll share content from them. If they send me pictures, videos from that game. So um, that's just the opener home opener. Uh, when they come back, they got a little three game road trip to start a little weird one, like Colorado and then New Jersey, Pittsburgh, I believe that is. But after that uh, opening weekend, then they come back home uh, for Tuesday, October 19th, 7 PM versus the New York Islanders. Ron, I hate opening at home against the New York Islanders because it's going to be like a two, one game and Barry Trotz system is going to fucking shut us down. That's my worry. <laughs> it sounds about right too. Uh, Cause that's just how Barry Trotz teams play. I mean, they just play really defensive hockey and um, obviously the Islanders are a very good team, very deep team as well. Again, I think that's going to be another good test for the Hawks because I think they're, they're more deep up at the forward position this year. Um, I think defensively, I think the Islanders might still be a tad better just overall. They have so much depth on that blue line, but Nonetheless, you never know what's going to happen. It'll be a fun game, but I agree. To me, what I'm most excited about for the home opener is just like the intros and the honoring of Tony O and stuff like that. Because let's be honest, like you said, it's probably going to end 2-1 and it's just going to be a very boring defensive hockey game. Yeah, I could very well see that. But then again, uh, you never know because Blackhawks do. Uh, we, we don't know how they'll mesh. And obviously, it'll only be uh, fourth game of the season uh, mm-hmm. at this point. So um, it will just be interesting to see. But hey, you never know. If Taves and Kane are healthy, they could also put on a show too back for the fans in front there. Obviously, there will be a little extra added motivation to get a full barn back uh, at the Madhouse. So um, moving on from this one, second home game, as I had mentioned earlier, no need to expand on this a little bit more. But uh, that one Kane ceremony here uh, is taking place. For for the second home game, which will be Thursday, October 21st. Can't wait. That'll be my first home game of the season. So can't wait to get back for that one. Ron, I'm going to run through these specialty nights and when they are honoring these guys, and we can talk a little bit uh, about each of them. But I'll just get the dates, times out there, uh, and which guys will be uh, honored here. So Thursday, uh, January 13th, 7.30 p.m. versus Montreal. Uh, That is Andrew Shaw. Uh, They're going to honor him, obviously. Only other NHL franchise he played with was the Montreal Canadiens. So will it be great to have some of his old teammates there on the bench, uh, being able to watch that up close and personal there. Uh, Monday, uh, January 31st, 6.30 p.m., Brent Seabrook ceremony. Man, uh, just a stalwart of the Blackhawks blue line over the past decade plus. So, um, you know, very, you know, obviously contract is technically with Tampa right now, but Blackhawk for life. Number seven is going to the rafters. No doubt in my mind that will be a fun one. Uh, Thursday, March 3rd, 7.30 versus Edmonton. A, the return of Duncan Keith, but he'll be on the opposite bench with the Oilers to watch the Blackhawks honor Nicholas Jalmerson, the hammer who hung up the skates this offseason after an injury riddled four years with Arizona uh, per, uh, after leaving the Blackhawks franchise. So uh, the last one will be honoring Pat Foley in his last season, 39th and final season calling Blackhawks hockey. Uh, not sure exactly if they were doing a ceremony or something like that. Would imagine that's probably in the works, but either way, uh, going to honor Pat Foley uh, Thursday. April 14th, 7.30 p.m. versus San Jose. So, Ron, player ceremonies here, a lot of sentimentality going on uh, that's going to be happening, especially after the calendar flips over to 2022. Um, Thoughts on these uh, player ceremonies, but I'm sure they'll have, you know, kind of a set formula for these. But uh, either way, it should be uh, waterworks aplenty in the UC. Oh, absolutely, because it really truly is, especially for this this current era of Blackhawks hockey fan is – these are all the guys that you grew up watching, or at least like I know for you and I, Johnny, who who grew up with these teams of the, you know, the 2010 and 13 and 15 cup teams and Kane and Taves being rookies. And, you know, 
a lot of these guys were big parts of that. Brent Seabrook, an absolute stalwart of this team, probably the most underappreciated member of those cup teams, in my opinion, from a general, maybe national media standpoint, obviously super highly respected and adored here in Chicago. Uh, and then Nicholas Jalmerson, I, I think it, it speaks volumes for people that truly didn't understand Nick Jalmerson's impact. Maybe if you're a newer hockey fan or, or maybe if you just you know, weren't a Hawks fan and, and in the national market, when the team was hesitant to give Seth Jones your number, and the only reason they did is because you signed a long-term deal and him being Seth Jones, that speaks volumes because I truly believe if the Blackhawks have it their way, and maybe if Seth Jones truly has the career that we all hope he does in an Indian head sweater, that we see a pair of, of numbers be dual retired, and that being seven and four, um, potentially with Seabrook as well as Chelios, and then uh, Nick Jalmerson and Seth Jones maybe someday, because Nick Jalmerson was just as important to those uh, Stanley Cup winners as Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook were. I think it's appropriate, too, that Keith will be in the building to see at least one of his buddies uh, yes. from those teams be honored as well. I think that's kind of cool that they're doing it that night. I know I will be at that game uh, when Edmondson comes to the UC. Uh, I already had tickets for that one. So very, very excited. Um, cool that they did Shaw playing against his old team. Uh, I think that's very appropriate. Uh, you know, obviously everybody loves the mutt. Uh, in the Pat Foley game, that one's going to make me cry uh, because – in my time as a Blackhawks fan, Johnny, because they weren't on TV much when you and I were growing up, it, the voice has always been Pat Foley, and it'll be super freaking weird to hear anybody other than Pat Foley calling Blackhawks hockey games on a regular basis. But um, 39 years speaks it all, and honestly, that one might be the most emotional, uh, at least for me. Um, but nonetheless, they'll all be fantastic. I'm glad they're doing them with fans in the building, and I can't wait to hear how deafening it is in that building for each of those guys on their appropriate nights. Yeah. I mean, and you saw certain things, um, obviously a little bit different uh, with, with Seabrook and Shaw because both of them hanging up the skates within this last year, early in 2021 more so. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously Jalmerson no longer with the Hawks, but when Jalmerson during his playing days, you saw the reception that he got when he first came back with the Arizona Coyotes. So um, very emotional that time. This is going to be extended all about the hammer. Um, can't wait for that one. And then Seabrook is just going to, I mean, th that place might explode. Um, it, we love our Brent Seabrook here. I, I think all, Blackhawks fans, have, like you had said, I think you put that perfectly. Maybe a little bit underappreciated by the national media, but beloved in Chicago. I mean, they, there is, you know, um, you can everyone. I think everybody came back to that. Sure, you, you can uh, be upset about the contract when it was towards the end and the way it hamstrung the Blackhawks in certain ways, but there is no way the Blackhawks win three. Well, I don't think they win one Stanley Cup without Brent Seabrook. So um, th that will be a huge one. And then the Mutt, I mean, you know, the Mutt loves fun. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, when he came back, you're not really getting to see him too much in action uh, with uh, the injuries that he sustained uh, from, you know, 2019 uh, and then into, um, you know, the, this season looking like he was uh, healthy coming in um, and he did play a little bit, um, but not, not the send off that you wanted. So I think uh, that, that will be a big time for fans showing appreciation for the muck because obviously a fan favorite uh very easy uh to tug on the heartstrings uh with andrew shaw there so um other than that any other games uh that you look forward to on the schedule i think uh one that i had outlined here hey an early season game when toronto comes to the uc is bound to be a freaking barn burner uh and that is going to be wednesday uh, october 29th 6 30 p.m uh hawks and uh uh, Leafs, and I would imagine with that being 6.30, uh, probably nationally televised game, at least in Canada. 
I believe it's SN1 up there. Um, and then we'll see uh, with, with the, because there is no NBC Sports Chicago listed on that as of right now. So uh, we'd have to double back on the broadcast schedule. But would imagine this game will be in the spotlight a bit and maybe we get a little back and forth from Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews again. <laughs> I was going to say, Johnny, I was in attendance for that last barn burner with the Maple Leafs uh, at the United Center when Kane and, and Matthews traded goals. Uh, and it was it was spectacular. I mean, Cam Ward was in net. I think that's a perfect indicator of where the franchise was at that point. Uh, but nonetheless, it, it's always going to be a great game. And, you know, you look at it, not even necessarily just the, the American connection in terms of Matthews and Kane. Uh, Matthews being the number one goal scorer last year in the NHL. Um, there's a certain other American on the Blackhawks roster that was third in the NHL in goal scoring last year, and that being Alex Dabrinkit. So I think just those guys, you know, high-profile scorers, Taves is back. They still have Tavares, obviously Nylander's still there. Their roster looks a little different. David Camp, that's his return game. We all oh, my know God. Austin. Blackhawks. Blackhawks is going to uh, – he might break down that night. He might, he might, he might. For those that that are newer to the show, uh, Blackhawks D Zone Austin P was was and I think still might be the ringleader of the David Camp fan club, uh, no doubt. So it's going to be a fun game, Johnny, and it should be a good one. Uh, obviously, new goaltender for them too. I'm not even entirely sure who their new starter is. I know Frederick Anderson's in Car- uh, Carolina now, though. So. Um, both teams, a little bit new-looking rosters and such. And like you said, anytime you get an original six matchup, it's always a beauty. So yeah. I'm excited for that one. It'll be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing, uh, kind of early half of the schedule here in mid-November. Uh, Ron, I, I know certain people, some people are night owls, some people uh, you know, l- like to sleep. Um, I'm more of a night owl. I consider myself that. So we do have a kind of a mini circus trip. I know the circus trip is suspended uh, for you know years now since Barnum and Bailey stopped coming to uh, Chicago and that whole thing kind of shut down. But there is a bit of a mini West Coast road trip and it kicks off. First ever Blackhawks versus Kraken game out in Seattle, uh, Wednesday, uh, November 17th, 9 p.m. Um, and then you get a slate of other games out there. Edmonton on that Saturday, uh, Vancouver on the Sunday, and then the following Tuesday, Calgary right before Thanksgiving. Ron, I always love that. Um, it, that was kind of always a favorite of mine. I like staying up late on those, uh, watching the circus trip game. So getting get a little taste of that, that's one thing that I'm looking forward to. I don't know if you're uh, as it for that, but either way, I think it will be interesting to see them play the Kraken for the first time um, because, you know, brand new franchise. Absolutely. I think it was the same intrigue when they played the Vegas Golden Knights. I actually had the pleasure of going to that game when they first, when the Golden Knights first came to the United Center um, in their first season of existence. I remember, uh, I believe Nick Schmaltz tallied a couple goals for the Blackhawks that night. Just tells you how long ago that was. But yeah. uh, nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I think that Seattle game is going to be fun. Uh, obviously, they don't come to the UC for the first time until like way late in the season. I think it's one of the last games of the season, actually, for the Blackhawks. I think it's like the third or fourth to last game um, when they played them at the UC. But nonetheless, it, it's going to be a blast. And uh, you know what, Johnny, based on, you know, talking about that late game with Edmonton on that Saturday, I'm, I'm – uh, Smelling a little uh, Four Feathers Ooh. watch party at yeah. the uh, Casa de Marchese, I yeah. think, is going to be in the works for that one. So that one is one I will keep on the calendar for that reason as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely, Ron. I do definitely do think and that, that would be a great time uh, for some live content from uh, Four Feathers pod, uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts. I think I think that will be a prime candidate for there. All right. A few other highlights I just wanted to run through. Um, I like playing at Toronto, too, especially because it always seems to be on a Saturday night hockey night in Canada. We remember they kicked their freaking ass 
in 20. He obviously did not play them uh, during regular season action last year at the divisional stuff. But in that 2019-20 season, oh my goodness, um, that Dominic Kubelik batting the goal out of the air. So that's a 6 p.m. start uh, um, on yeah, Saturday, December 11th. That's one that I'm looking forward to. I always love when they're doing a, you know, home for the holidays sort of thing uh, in a stretch of games. Uh, the 17th of December, 21st of 17th of December against Nashville, 21st of December against Florida and 23rd day before Christmas Eve against Dallas. I always like those. I always do a cool thing, white show in the atrium at the UC. So um, we had mentioned all the player ceremonies, a lot of those coming starting in January there. Uh, other than that, Nikita Zadorov's back at the UC uh, on the second day of the new year uh, when it turns to 22. So uh, we'll be interesting to see that. Um, imagine reception ain't too warm there. Uh, only three home games in February, just as of note there that, and then they go heavy um, and they got much, many more home games in March uh, coming up after that. Uh, like you'd mentioned the Kraken coming to Chicago uh, in April, and then they will close things out um, in the end of April, Vegas Golden Knights last home game. Um, that is the 27th of April, Wednesday night, 7.30 yep. puck drop there. So uh, those are just some some of the highlights I had there. If you had any more, uh, we need to get to the preseason slate after that. So uh, drop any more if you got them. Nope. I was just going to say I will be at that last home game against the Golden Knights. That's uh, one of the tickets that I already have in my back pocket. Um, also get to see Artemi Panarin uh, come back to the UC this year with the Rangers. Um, you get to see the Pittsburgh Penguins, which I think is always a fun one as well, uh, among others. Uh, this season, and I'm sure I'll buy more tickets as the year goes on because I can't stay away from the UC for too long. And uh, no, I mean, honestly, Johnny, I'll be completely honest with you. There's a lot of great games on the schedule, a lot of fun things to look forward to, but just the Blackhawks home game with fans in the stands is what I'm truly looking forward to most. It's been too long and I can't wait to get back in that building and scream my head off and yell and be focused on the play. And just, again, everything that we love and adore about Blackhawks hockey is going to return uh, with fans in the stands at the United center. So that's what I'm looking forward to most. Right. Absolutely. Right. I think that's the biggest thing. The atmosphere will be back. And I think the team will be jolted up. You taught, you know, at the very end of last season, just two home games against the Dallas stars. Um, that, was, uh, that didn't do it justice. And it was only like 20% capacity so um these guys will be amped up to be playing back in front of fans we saw all the kind of gimmicks that they had to try to do uh to pass the time without it uh patrick Kane flipping the tommy hawk uh no more of that this year he'll be flipping two kids uh eagerly awaiting a puck right behind the glass and i can't wait to see uh the looks on those kids faces when they get it they just light up uh seeing that superstar flip a number 88 flip that puck over the board so stuff like that'll be really cool i like all the events that they do um in the atrium i'm sure they'll have some sort of covid protocols in place maybe social distancing but they are planning on having some theme nights and stuff so i always like that this ha- i'm wearing here 70s throwback stuff so you never know they do decades or what, what what have you different theme nights i'm looking forward to those uh as we get into blackhawks hockey that's regular season but before that even happens we got preseason slate coming up ron so in our what's on tap next section here uh let's talk because by the next time we talk the blackhawks will have played four preseason games uh we're recording this here monday september 27th we will probably be back after uh the fourth preseason game as i'd mentioned uh which is a week from tonight uh so yeah a lot of hockey here uh get tuned up for the season to start uh wednesday september 29th blackhawks host the red wings to open up the preseason slate 7 30 p.m nbc sports chicago plus blackhawks host the blues friday night october 1st 7 30 p.m puck drop again same network nbc sports chicago plus and then the blackhawks will go down to uh the following day uh saturday uh october 2nd go down to uh Independence, Missouri, uh, playing near Kansas City against the St. Louis Blues, 7 p.m. puck drop, but that will be a 
radio only broadcast. Um, maybe it's kind of just a specialty event for the Blues to expand outreach in the state of Missouri um, regarding hockey there. So other than that, uh, last one that we'll probably circle back after before we get into nitty gritty of regular season is the Blackhawks at the Minnesota Wild Monday, October 4th, which is a week from tonight, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, NBC Sports Chicago on the main channel for that one here. Preseason slate, Ron, what are we looking forward to? Just looking forward to watching the Hawks. I mean, this is obviously going to be the opportunity where we see some of these forwards that we touched on earlier that are competing for spots get a lot of playing time. I expect to see a lot of guys like Henrik Borgström, um, as well as guys like Adam Gaudet during this preseason. Uh, so I'm excited for that. I don't think we see as much of guys like Kane and Dorinkit and Taves and so much, but uh, certainly the guys that are battling for spots we'll see quite a bit of. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And Hockey's, hockey's back, baby, and that's truly what I'm looking forward to. I don't give a shit if it's preseason or not. I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to enjoy it just as much as if it's a regular season game. I actually I might even uh, I might even mess around and try and get some tickets for that game on Friday night because I didn't even realize it was at the United Center, so we might have to wait and see what happens there. But yeah. nonetheless, Ron, Hawks hockey's back on TV. Man. Ron, I think I might have a little something for you in that vein. So we'll, we'll talk after this podcast about that. Um, but actually, oh. there, there, there's something might be in the works there. So I'll let you know. Um, but yes, with this, um, I threw on just random like Boston versus Washington the other just because I wanted hockey back. And I know preseason hockey started uh, last Saturday. Yes. Um, yeah. Just this past weekend, it actually might have been. Yeah. Saturday. Uh, there were a couple of games there. There was a more of a slate on uh, Sunday. Those maybe the first time the Kraken were in action. So just other games here. But the Hawks obviously not kicking theirs off until this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Ron, my birthday is on the Wednesday, the day that they kick it off. I think that's appropriate. And they play Detroit. Detroit sucks. My White Sox just got into a heated scrap with the Detroit Tigers. I am all anti Detroit everything. So I don't <laughs> care if it's preseason. Beat them by 90 goals. I can't wait. Um, other than that, uh, we'll be interested to see the Blues. Uh, I did see Brandon Saad in action early in preseason. So I would imagine uh, he would probably get at least one of these tune-ups against his former team. Uh, I do believe that we'll go out and deploy him, even if they're resting him for some games in between. Um, I would imagine he's back there, so that will be a heartbreaker. Hopefully they just do it in the Independence-Missouri game so we don't have to see it. You know, I think that, that would be appropriate and respectful to us. Um, other than that, the Minnesota Mild. They got Kirill the Thrill. Uh, he's back there. But uh, wrapping that up, we'll, we'll be back probably after that. Um, and there are two more uh, preseason contests after that. But uh, I just wanted to outline those games because uh, those will happen between now and the next time we grace your ear holes. So, um, Ron, final thoughts, and then let's get out of here. Uh, it's been a while, so I'm glad we did go extended here, but our time is almost up. So hit me with your final thoughts, and we will close it down. Johnny, I'll keep it short and simple for you. Hockey is back, baby, and I cannot fucking wait. I am so ready for Blackhawks hockey. I need it like I need air right now, and I cannot tell you how excited I am for this season. New players, better roster, big storylines. It's going to be a lot of fun, and again, we're going to be here all season long narrating the season uh, here at Four Feathers Podcast. So I'm ready for it. I'm happy it's back, Johnny. It's my favorite time of the year, uh, fall sports when hockey gets kicked off, when football's in action, and just mm, what a great time to be alive, Johnny. Hawks are back. Absolutely, Ron. I echo exactly what you said about the excitement and all of that stuff uh, for the on-ice stuff. I will cover our on-tap housekeeping here. Once again, Four Feathers Podcast is brought to you by 
ONTAP Sportsnet. Go and check out ONTAPSportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Uh, you go and click on the Blackhawks tab there. That is where you will find all of our articles, uh, news updates, analysis regarding the team. And when you click on the side links there, you can find links to this podcast. You can find links to our social media there. So go and check it out. That's ONTAPSportsnet.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube. You can find a link there uh, within ONTAPSportsnet.com or you can just search on YouTube. But please go subscribe there because we'll be doing plenty of live shows and we want to get interaction with our fans, with our listeners. The only way to do that right now is via YouTube comments, though. Uh, Twitter, Periscope, uh, RIP in peace, had a great run. But uh, Twitter comments no longer integrate into our feed when we are broadcasting live. This podcast was not uh, a live stream, but in the future, we will be doing plenty of those. So please go subscribe on tap Sportsnet on YouTube. And uh, that, that way you can uh, banter back and forth with us. You don't like something you can say, we say, uh, throw us a comment. We'll, we'll throw it up on the screen. We'll have a debate. Um, if you agree with us or you have a question for us, if we want to answer, we can do that too. Uh, we can present your comments on the screen right in front of you. So only way to do that though, subscribe on tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Uh, other than that, follow us on social media where we post plenty of updates from training camp, uh, lots of fun memes, pictures, videos, um, all of that good stuff at Four Feathers Pod on Twitter and Instagram. So, Ron, did I cover everything housekeeping-wise? I believe so, Johnny. It's just the on tap Sportsnet. You just got to go check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Absolutely, Ron. I think that about does it for the show. It is good to be back in the saddle. Season 3, Episode 1 in the books for Four Feathers Johnny Nani for Ron Luce. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby.